Thanks for tuning in to the New Life South Coast podcast. We want to extend an invitation to sit in live with us during our weekend service. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message inspires you, but also challenges you in your walk with God. For more information, visit our website at newlifesouthcoast.com. Now here's Pastor Marco with an encouraging word. If you have your Bibles today, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 5. Actually, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 5 for the next few weeks. We're going to start a brand new series of talk today titled Living a Blessed Life. It's actually a sequel to last year's Blessed Life, which that's why we brought back Sharon's video. Um, and by the way, Sharon, that, that amazing vehicle that she has, that vehicle's name is Lucy. And Lucy's in the parking lot today if you want to go and take a picture. If you want to go back in time, go into that contraption today. And you'll find yourself back in 1972, and it's awesome. And, and she would love to pray with you, believe me. She will jump in and pray with you right there. So uh, Lucy's her name, so take some time today and, and, and get to know Lucy and Sharon. Amen. Matthew 5, um, this is, my friends, this is Jesus, one of the most famous messages. It's actually three chapters long, this message of Jesus, Matthew 5, 6, and 7 called the Sermon on the Mount because Jesus got up on a mountain and began to really expound on this is what life is all about, basically. Like Matthew 5, 6, and 7 is one of the chapters that I would highly recommend you read over and over again. It's one of those scriptures that I go back to often because if I want to get the heart of everything that Jesus is saying, this is it, honestly. Like if you have a hard time reading the whole Bible, just read Matthew 5, 6, and 7. You're like, oh man, that, that makes me feel so much better. Yeah. Just, just grab Matthew 5, 6, and 7, grab different translations of it, and just keep reading that. And put it into practice and see if your life won't reproduce fruits like Jesus said he would. Amen? So I want to spend a few weeks on this. And I want to talk to you about what does it mean to be blessed? Because that's the word that's used a lot in our society, right? God bless you. What does that mean? <laughs> you, ever, have you ever wondered that? Like someone sneezes, you say God bless you? That's a superstition, my friends. It doesn't mean anything other than you, wanna, you want God to make that person happy. The word bless literally means happy. Right? When you say God bless you, you're saying God happy you. Doesn't that change things a little bit? <laughs> you know? Or when you say hashtag bless, you're saying hashtag happy. You know, that's what the word really is. You know? And so I want to talk to you about the kinds of people that Jesus says he blesses. He takes his time here in the first eight to ten verses to say, here's the kind of people that God will bless. But we're going to take them one at a time. So I'm just going to talk about the first types of people that Jesus says that God happies. God happies these types of people. Okay, tell your friend, do you want to be happy? Then pay attention to what Jesus is saying. Okay, this is the type of people that Jesus says are going to be happy in life. So here we go. Matthew 5 says, one day, as he saw the crowds gathering... Jesus went up the mountainside and sat down. Back in those days, by the way, the teacher would sit down and the people would stand. So how about we reverse roles? How about you stand for 45 minutes and I sit? Okay, we're not going to do that. All right, fine. You guys are rebellious people. But Jesus said, <laughs> Jesus <laughs> sat down. His disciples gathered around him and he began to teach them. And here's the first thing that he says. First point of his message. God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses those who are poor 
and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Can you say amen? Can I encourage you to take notes, my friends? I, I feel like what we do here will impact your life if you take it home and digest it and ask the question, God, how do you want me to apply this to my life? Okay, I'm going to give you some, some practical things here that I believe is going to bless you, is going to happy you. Anybody want to be happy? So this is going to make you happy, but you got to apply it. It's one of those things where you can't just say it, you got to do it. Can you say amen? So God blesses those who have a need for him. Another translation, the NIV translation puts it this way. It says this, Bless are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Again, terms in the Bible that we need to break down and, and ask the question, what does it actually mean to be poor in spirit? And what, what is the kingdom of heaven? That's what we're going to spend some time on this next few weeks. But I want to I really camp on the poor in spirit today and help us understand how Jesus is saying this will unlock happiness in your life. Poor in spirit, my friends, if you're taking notes, it simply means this. It means that I humbly depend on God for everything. Can you put up my, my first thing there? I humbly depend on God instead of myself. That's what it means to be poor in spirit. It has nothing to do with your bank account. It has everything to do with the disposition of your soul. Oh, that is good. That's an amen moment right there. That's, that, that's, that's an amen moment. I'm going to help us along the way. I'm going to put up amen cards up here. You know. <laughs> applaud. <laughs> I humbly depend on God instead of myself. Okay, so today, my friends, if you want to be happy, you're going to have to declare your dependence, not your independence. You need a declaration of dependence on God. We're familiar with the declaration of independence. We're going to, about to celebrate another independence, right, in a few weeks. Well, this is about dependence on God because life without God is independence from his blessings, basically, Right, to live without the dependence of God is, is to say, God, I got this and you don't. Right? So to be poor in spirit is to realize, wait, God, I don't have this. You do. So I'm going to be dependent on you. So I'm going to title this message, Depending on God. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for there is the kingdom of God. I humbly depend on God instead of myself. So, again, if you're taking notes, I'm going to give you five practical ways to express your dependence on God. Five practical ways to express your dependence on God, and, I, and this is one of those money-back guarantees you will be happy. Amen. Someone wants to be happy. That's good. Are you guys ready? So, number one, in order to be happy, I must learn to depend on God's wisdom and not mine. If I want to be happy, if I want to be blessed, I must learn to depend on God's wisdom, not mine. Here's an example. In Proverbs, it tells you this. There is a path before each person that seems right, right, but it ends in death. The word death there is another word for dead end, okay? Now, can we have an honest moment in the church this morning? See, I love that. In advance, like I haven't even said what that is. 
My friends, have you ever done something that felt so right, but it ended so bad? <laughs> Come on, talk to me this morning. Anybody, have you, <laughs> have you ever made a move that you, you were like so sure that this is a great move, end up being a dead end move? Maybe a job that you thought this, this job end up being purgatory? Now, let's get a little bit more personal. Have you ever dated someone and you thought, this is it? My life has changed. And it did change, but not for the better. Don't elbow anybody. Don't raise your hand. Or have you, parents, have you ever done like one of those like parent moments with your kid? And you thought you like have the greatest advice in the world, and then it turned sour, it turned left on you. Like anybody know what I'm talking about? Like have you or or have you ever invested in something that you you, you knew like this is gonna this is it, I'm gonna be a millionaire, and you end up almost losing everything. <laughs> anybody know what I'm talking about? Right? This is what the Bible is saying. Just because something seems right, it doesn't mean it has God's wisdom on it. Right? And, and, and then, of course, we say things like, how can he be so wrong when he feels so good? Well, the problem is your feelings can play tricks on you. We've talked about this. Right? The Bible even says that your heart is deceitful. That's why you need to put your trust and your wisdom in God and not just your feelings. How many know your feelings are not reliable? How many know if it was for your feelings, you wouldn't be in church this morning? Right? Some people are not here because feelings. How many know if it was for feelings, you would not go to work tomorrow morning? Like, can we be honest for a second? Right? If it was just about feelings, right? Feelings are not reliable. We need something deeper than our feelings. We need the wisdom of God. In every situation and circumstance we find ourselves in. So if we want to be happy, my friends, we have to depend on God's wisdom. So question is, how do you get God's wisdom? I'm glad you asked. Okay. The brother of Jesus says this about God's wisdom. The brother of Jesus, James, said, look, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God. And he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. So God's like, talk to me. Talk to me about that job. Talk to me about that relationship. Talk to me about that investment. Talk to me about that situation. Talk to me about that decision. Whatever it is, God's like, man, talk to me. Let's talk about this, right? Let's reason about this, and I will direct your path. My friends, if you're taking notes, if you want God's wisdom, it's two things. Pray and read his word. Learn to pray and learn to read his word before you make a decision. Can you say amen? amen? Listen, we need to get to the place where we pray about everything. Okay, listen, God is big enough to answer and to listen to all your prayers. You know, I've heard people say, ah, he, he, he's too busy. How do you know? You, you met with him? How do you know? No, I, God is big enough to hear all your prayers, and nothing is too big or small for God. 
Okay, that's the other thing we need to understand. God wants to be in the details of your life, not just the big things. Sometimes that's when we get in trouble because we're just praying about big things, but we're like, we're overlooking small things. How many know it's the small things in life that trips us up? It's the small things in life that trips us up. So my friends, how about we get into the routine of just whatever it is. By the way, you don't have to be one of those weird people who have to pray for like an hour to get God to answer your prayers. Nothing wrong with praying for an hour. What I'm saying is, you can pray on the go. You know the Bible says to pray without ceasing? How do you pray without ceasing if you have to work? If you have to raise kids? Guess what? You pray as you're working. You pray as you're raising your kids. You're praying as you're making decisions. You're praying as you make choices. I'm telling you, it's as simple as you're going to work and you're like, Jesus, let's go to work together because if we don't, I'm going to kill somebody. You know, it's, it's as simple as that. Come on, can we be honest? Some of y'all, tomorrow morning, you know, I'm going to go to work and Sally is going to get on my nerve. If your name is Sally, I'm sorry. I, I, not that Sally, the other one. But guess what? Something happens when I begin to bring Jesus to work with me. When I bring him to the conversations with me. You, you have a big business transaction you need to make. Well, bring Jesus to that meeting with you. Bring Jesus to that job interview with you. You know, you got five kids to raise. You better bring Jesus into that house. Because if not, you know, the way your anger is set up. Pray about everything. But also, you got to go to God's word. Why do you have to go to God's word? Because remember, you can't rely on your feelings. You need something outside of you that is battle-tested. God's word is battle-tested. God's word remains the same. So go to his word and learn to ask him for his wisdom. See, write this down. God's wisdom and, and will are in God's word. If you want to know God's will for you, you got to go to the word. Why? It's already been written. Feelings cannot unwritten this. Is that even English? I'm not sure. It doesn't sound right. You know, but listen, this is already written. Jesus said, it is written. When he was being tempted, he didn't go, I feel. Now he goes, I read. Right? So learn to pray and learn to read God's word every day. I'm telling you, you will be happy. I guarantee it. Learn to pray and learn to read. Before you go on Facebook, Go to his book. Uh, uh, some of y'all will save so much headache in your life if you stop going to Facebook and you start going to his book. Listen, my friends, God doesn't want you to be in the dark about life. He said, ask. Just ask me. Right? I guarantee you, you start asking God about who you should date, Less headaches. I'm telling you, so much less headache, right? Because God is not going to leave you in the dark. And the Holy Spirit is faithful to be like, nah, that's a knucklehead. <laughs> but you don't understand. God's like, I think I do. That's a knucklehead. And you know, and, and God doesn't change his mind because his word is the same. So if you trust his word and you trust when you pray to him, he's going to listen. Number two, if you're taking notes today, my friends, learn to depend on God. Is you got to learn 
to go to God for strength, not yours. I depend on God's strength and not mine. Can we be honest? We are always tired. You know, my wife and I have been married for 13 years. That's not a, that's, I'm telling you, this is not a night that she doesn't go, I can't wait to go to bed. <laughs> like it's revelation. Every night. I can't, I'm like, I've heard this for 13 years straight. And you can't even use kids as, as, as an excuse because you've been saying this from day one. I cannot wait to go to bed. Like, I, I just know when it's coming. And she knows it. Uh, it's just turning all colors over here. Um, but listen, the Bible says this. What joy for those whose strength comes from the Lord. You're always tired. But guess what? God is never tired. Okay? God is never tired. So why not go to him for strength? The Bible says the joy of the Lord is your strength, right? And he says if you trust on him, you're like an eagle that keeps raising up above all the circumstances and situations, and he renews your strength, right? He replenishes your strength. So how do you get strength from God? It's simply saying, God, I want your strength. I need your strength. I need your grace. I need your healing. I need you in this moment, right? Because we know life has a lot of curveballs. There are things in life that will just blindside you. Those are the moments to rely on God's strength. I want to give you a scripture for those who are going through maybe a difficult time right now. Maybe you, you're, you're struggling with an illness. Or maybe you're, you're battling depression or a divorce or a loss in a family. Scripture is very powerful. Watch this, right? It says this, my health may fail, my spirit may grow weak, but God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. Because the reality is we live in an imperfect world where imperfect things are going to happen. And God never said that they're not going to happen. I want to make this clear. Jesus never promised that in this world you're not going to have battles and struggles. But he said this, I will be with you. My strength will empower you, will strengthen you. And so if you're going through a difficult time, which life, the way it is, it's not if is when. All of us are going to go through difficult times. Those are the moments we need to rely on God's strength and not our strength. And I want you to make this declaration when you find yourself sapped by life and you feel like void of strength. I want you to make this declaration every day. Just get up and say, Lord, I'm going to live on your strength. Lord, I'm going to live on your strength. Can we practice that together? Can we say, Lord, I'm going to live on your strength. Now say that 25 times a day. Okay, Lord, I'm going to live on your strength. Here's the thing with what you say. You have to understand this. This is powerful. Your words will create the world that you want to have. Remember that God created the world into existence by speaking it. That's why there's power in your confession. Right? Because here's what's going to happen. Have you noticed? Have you noticed this? When you say to yourself 25 times a day, I am so tired. Guess what? Every time you say it, you're, you're slumping. I am so, you're like that, you know, remember that noodle guy? Watch your confessions, right? I am so stressed. Guess what? Stress is like, okay, we're on, we're on. I am so annoyed. I am so angry. And you're like, you wonder why? You're speaking that into existence. You know, I am never, I got, oh, well, then never. No, what about I can do all things through Christ 
who gives me the strength to do it. God is with you in every situation and circumstance. And I would even say this, God is even more real in those moments. I think God knows, like, this moment you need extra. So God comes in extra to empower you. Can you say amen? Number three, if you're taking notes, I must learn. If I'm going to be happy, I must learn to depend on God's timing and not mine. My friends, how, how many of us know how crucial timing is? Timing is everything, isn't it? Right? Right? Timing is the difference between a buzzer beater and a almost. Right? For you guys that like sports, right? If you hit a shot after the buzzer, it doesn't matter where you hit it from. It's, it's after time. Timing is crucial to life. Right? Timing is everything. Guess what? The Bible talks about how there's a time for everything. Watch this. Look. Yet God has made everything beautiful for his own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope. In other words, you don't see all of it. God gives you a sliver of his purpose, right, of God's work from beginning to end. But my friends, God works in his own time. There's, there are seasons in your life, just like summer just began. If you're paying attention, there are seasons in your life. When you're walking with the Lord, you have to be aware of what season he has you in. You know what's amazing? The person next to you right now could be in a different season in their life. This is why it's such a waste of time to compare your journey with someone else's journey. Because they could be in a whole other season right now that you don't know anything about. So timing is crucial. Listen. And here's the reality of life. You will spend a lot of time waiting. There's a lot of waiting time in God's economy. The problem with us is we're restless. Like, we're almost like the kids who can't sit still in, in school when it comes to certain things in life, right? Sometimes God will give you a promise, but the timing is off. And you have to be careful that you're not trying to rush God's timing on something. Right? Because God is never, my friends, God is never in a rush. God takes his time. Let me tell you something. Anytime you find yourself rushing something, you better stop and slow down and ask, why am I trying to get ahead of God here? God is never in a rush. Even good things. God knows how to take his time to give you good things. Okay, this is so important because you see so many people try to help God. My friends, be careful not to try to answer your own prayers. Oh, that's a good word. Because Abraham tried to answer his own prayer, he ended up having Ishmael, and God said that wasn't the promise. He decided, no, God, you're taking too long. Let me help you. I'm telling you, if you get ahead of God, you're going to get the wrong promises. So timing is crucial. I need to be in tune with God's timing. And I know this goes against the grain of our culture, right? We live in a culture of fast everything. Give it to me right now. Microwave society. But remember, microwavable stuff leads to diarrhea. Y'all wasn't expecting that. 
What'd you learn in church today? Microwavable stuff leads to death. How about you tweet that? <laughs> Here's something to tweet today. Okay, no, God likes home-cooked meals. God takes, God is like the crock-pot meal. You know, like, I, my wife would go to work, she's like, I'm putting something on the crock-pot. And I'm like, oh, it's going to be a long, drawn meal, right? It takes his time, right? God takes his time, my friends. I know everything is fast in our society. It's actually a little bit annoying because we don't stop anymore to, to appreciate what's in front of us. I was just talking to my crew yesterday about that. I'm like, man, I love the NBA draft, but they're taking all the fun out of it. Because now you know who's going to be drafted 45th. Because there's no element of surprise anymore because we cover everything. And we don't have time to just enjoy, like, oh, man, who's going to get drafted? Like, it would be great if there was no ESPN giving you notifications about who's going to get drafted. And you're like, what's the draft? Uh, <laughs> never mind. Um, but listen, there is a time and a place for everything under the earth, the Bible says. So that means God is not surprised, but God has a plan. And we must learn to trust his timing on what he's doing in our lives. Write this down, please, my friends. While you're waiting, God is working. While you're waiting, God is working. He hasn't forgotten you, right? He, he, he knows there is a crucial time. Did you know this? The Bible says, in the fullness of time, God sent Jesus. You know what the word fullness there means? The right time. Not early, not late. Right on time, God came through with Jesus. If he has a plan to send Jesus, he's got a plan for your life. He's got a plan for every area of your life. Write this down. This is so important. A delay is not a denial. Okay? A delay is not a denial. I believe that's up there if you guys want to put that up so people can see it. A delay is not a denial. Parents, you can appreciate this. When we delay something, it's not because we don't like our kids. Matter of fact, because we love our kids, we'll delay some things. Right? Thank you. Thank you, parent. There's one, one honest parent in the house. You know? So true. Hold that ice cream. Well, but a delay is not a denial. It's just a matter of timing. You have to remember that your, your view on life is limited to where you are. God's view on life is from up here. God sees the whole thing. I love the illustration that I heard before that God is like the person that can see a parade from the beginning to the end. But you, watching the parade, isn't it the most, like, annoying thing in the world? You wait all day for a parade and it goes by you in, like, two minutes. That's why I don't like going to parades. It's like, what's the point? I only saw my little sliver of this moment went by me, and then that was it. We went to the Patriots parade, and, man, we waited like three hours. And then he just like. And Belichick didn't even look at us. <laughs> he was looking the other way the whole time. I'm like, are you kidding me? I could have seen this on TV. I would have watched the whole thing. My friend, God watches your whole life from beginning to end. He knows where it's going. And here's the best part. Write this down. God gives his best to those who wait. God gives his best to those who wait. Oh, that's so good. Those who wait will get the right spouse. 
Oh, you should say amen, single people. You ought to be saying amen. If you're single, that's your word. That's your word. Okay. And if you're married to the right person, you ought to say amen too. Like God. Whoa, whoa. I'm worried. Husbands, let's try this again. God gives his best to those who wait. A little touch and go there. I'm sleep on the couch tonight. It ain't on me. I tried. God gives his best to those who wait. Listen, sometimes don't take the, right, the first opportunity. If you know that there's better, wait. I'm telling you, not every open door is your door. Your presence is an open door. Right? Oh, y'all didn't know I can sing. I used to be a worship leader. But I, I used to lead worship like Kirk Franklin. I'll tell you what to sing. Uh, <laughs> listen, God's presence is an open door, but not every open door is God's will. Are you tracking? God is the open door. He is the one that will usher in what the opportunity is for you. So you have to be praying and, and in tune with him to say, God, is this you? Because there is an enemy who will love to rush you through life. There is the other guy who knows he's itching for a relationship, so let me just throw anybody. Remember, never shop when you're hungry. You'll date a cockeyed guy. And then after you guys break up, you'll say he's cockeyed. He was always cockeyed. Okay. You were thirsty. You couldn't. <laughs> All right. Listen. The enemy will love to rush you so you can settle for less. But God gives his best to those who wait. Look at this building, right? Two years, but was it worth it? Wait. God will give his best to those who wait. Try not to answer your own prayers, amen? Number four, if I want to be happy, I must learn to depend on God's defense, not mine. This is important. Why is this important? Because you're going to have naysayers in your life. You're going to have haters. You're going to have resistance. You're going to have people talking about you. The more you do well in life, the more people are going to talk about you. Right? You're going to have people who resist your spiritual growth because they don't understand it. Right? You're going to have people who are going to put all kinds of obstacles in front of you. They're going to call you names. They're going to try to make your life miserable at work. This is time to let God be your defense. Okay. Here, I love what the psalmist says here. He says, let all that I am wait quietly before God. For my hope is in him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress, where I will not be shaken. My victory and honor come from God alone. He is my refuge, a rock where no enemy can reach me. That's the promises of God. Understand this, you will be misunderstood, and you're going to want to defend yourself. But let God be your defender. See, write this down, to be a leader is to be misunderstood. If you're going to lead your family, you're going to be misunderstood. If you're going to, if you're going to have a great business, you're going to be misunderstood. If you're going to have a great church, you're going to be misunderstood. 
But we have to get to the place that we say, God, you're the one that's going to defend me. I'm not going to spend my energy trying to defend myself. And, and the more you try to defend yourself, the more the opposition raises up. So it's a waste of time. It's a waste of energy to try to answer every critic. My friends, Jesus was perfect and he had haters. And you're not. Sometimes there's reasons for people to hate. Let's be honest. Right? So we don't have time to be spending our energy trying to justify ourselves. Listen, if you, if you are going to follow Jesus, you're going to be misunderstood. He said that. If we keep reading Matthew 5, you're going to get to it. He says that you're going to have persecution. You're going to have these, these moments where people are just going to say all kinds of stuff about you. But guess what? You are more like Jesus when you don't say anything. You are more like Jesus when you don't say anything. Look at what Peter, one of the close disciples of Jesus, look what he said about Jesus, right? Look what he said. He, talking about Jesus, he did not retaliate when he was insulted, nor threaten revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God who always judges fairly. How awesome is that? Oh, how about we learn to leave our case in the hands of God, who is a fair judge? Because you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna want to answer those naysayers. You're going to want, believe me, you're going to have those moments where you're like, ah, that was wrong with this. But it's like, I think it's a test. God's going to say, you're going to let me stand the gap for you here? Or you're going to take matters into your own hands? Because usually when you take matters into your hands, you make it worse. Oh, y'all ain't going to talk to me, right? We, we, we make it worse. So here's my advice to all of us. Be fearless. Keep doing the right thing. Let God be the one to justify you. Be fearless. Don't let people keep you from doing the things that God has called you to do. Because when your life is over, God's not going to ask you what they thought about you. God's going to ask you, what did you do with the life that I gave you to live? So be fearless. And keep doing God's will. And then last one today, number five, I must learn to depend on God's wealth, not mine. I must learn to depend on God's wealth and not mine. I think we can all agree that the number one stress in life is money. It's the number one thing that people lose sleep over, are anxious, are stressed, are worried, are frustrated. So my friends, why not go to the God who owns the universe? Why not learn to rely on him, to depend on him, to provide for all our needs? The Apostle Paul puts it this way. He said, and this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. My friends, if you put your security on a bank account, you will be insecure. We saw that when the economy crashed a few years ago. People committed suicide because their whole security was on their bank account. My friends, if you put your security on a job, you will be insecure because people lose their jobs. If you put your security on an investment, Bernie Madoff might happen. If you don't know what Bernie Madoff is, Google it. People lost millions on this investment. My point is... When you put your trust and security on anything other than God, you will live an insecure life. Some of the most insecure people you'll ever meet are millionaires. I've met with some of them. They're very insecure. Why? Because their whole thing is their money. 
And we've talked about this openly. Money is not the problem. It's the love of money. It's when money becomes the God as opposed to the one that provides for us. So please write this down. Very important. Your job is a channel, but God is your source. Okay. Your job is your channel, but God is your source. Think about this, right? If you go home today and, and, you, and you decide to go in your kitchen sink and you, and you open the faucet and there's no water, you don't go, there's no water left in the world. There's no water. This is it. It's the end of the world. Water has left us. Right? You wouldn't be freaking out over water. You freak out over the plumbing, but not water. There's a difference. Because the faucet is only the channel, but water is inexhaustible. God is inexhaustible in his ability to provide for you. You got to make sure you understand. He doesn't run out of water. God doesn't run out of anything. Because he's the one that provides all it. Think about it. This morning you got up and you needed oxygen. But you didn't go, I don't have any. Have you ever thought about that? Like, the most important thing in life is oxygen. I don't care how much money you have in the bank. No oxygen, no life. But guess what? Before you even woke up, he already provided oxygen for you to breathe and have life. Here's the crazy thing. I don't think we realize that we're all on life support. Every single one of us. If oxygen gets shut off... It's Jesus, take the wheel. Right? So if we're dependent on him for oxygen, why don't we depend on him to provide for everything else in our lives? Like, he gives you oxygen without asking. Why not, why not trust him that he can provide for your bills, and he can provide for your kids, and he can provide for your family, he can provide for every single thing that you have a need for. My friends, I'm telling you, when a door closes, it just means that God's opened another one. Sometimes God will like, I'm not going to open a door. I want to see you jump through that window. Oh, you think God doesn't do that? God sometimes is like, let me see how persistent you are. Are you able enough to run and jump into that little tiny window and go, hey, but by the grace of God. <laughs> it's like, that's how God builds your resilience. Because if he opens every door, you don't, you don't build spiritual muscles. God sometimes is like, hey, let me see you bash that door down. By persisting through this thing. But God is faithful to always provide if you go into him for your needs. Can you say amen? amen? So as I end today, my friends, we must learn to make a declaration of dependence. Not independence, but dependence on God. If I'm going to be happy, I must learn to depend on God's wisdom. If I'm going to be happy, I must learn to depend on God's strength. If I'm going to be happy... Come on, now you got to help me. What's number three? I must learn to depend on God's timing. If I'm going to be happy, I must learn to depend on God's defense. And if I'm going to be happy, I must learn to depend on God's wealth. Thanks for joining us today. If you want to connect with us, you can find us at newlifesouthcoast.com for any further information.